Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of holding the flame, keeping forward, and seeing a new year because there's gaming to be done. There's always gaming to be done. Just means you get to buy more dice. Oh, more dice. Speaking of more dice, uh, one of the great one of the gifts I got this year, I think it was for my birthday. Uh, my wife got me a dice tower, and I want to say that dice towers rock. They really do. Any of you guys out there who need, are looking for a present to give your significant other who is a gamer, if they don't have a dice tower, get them a dice tower. Yeah, I, my wife got me a, a little build-your-own dice tower like three years ago, mm-hmm. and yeah, it is. I've enjoyed it. I, I, I want to upgrade it, but just having this little collapsible dice tower is so amazing yeah yeah z z's got one and he he it's at every game it's there all the time and i think he even got a goth bunny one so okay yeah and i think it's the i think it's the um i don't want to use i'm trying i want to use the word visceral but i think that's not the right term uh the visceral sound of it you know i think it's why rolling dice on a tabletop is so much more satisfying than pressing a button on your phone or app and, and having it oh, come yeah. up with a number. Just the fact of that rattling sound. And when I hear this thing rattle its way down to the bottom and display the dice, I, you know, to me, it's like, I don't know, it's like a moment of, I, I mean, it's, it's you know, to me, it's, it just sounds more real, you know, like, and, uh, and theoretically, you know, it's more random. Okay. But, uh, you know, I still can't roll dice worth anything. <laughs> it's just like, you know, all my dice are trained to roll for, you know, tri-tag games for lo- roll low. All my dice are trained to roll low. <laughs> they, you know, I, I play <laughs> D&D. It's like, you know, what's your initiative roll? Three, because I have a plus two modifier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, <clears throat> I mean, the number of times I get a natural 20 is just, you know, it's not one out of every 20 rolls, let me tell you. Uh. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, dice towers, they're great. And of course, you can, if you have a lot of dice to roll, like you're playing a game like uh, like the original uh, Shadowrun, then you can just, just keep them rolling down. You, you might need to get a big tray so they can start stacking up b- b- below it or something like that. You can have a lot of fun with that. But yeah, dice rolling methods. Uh, uh, is there, you guys have any other dice rolling methods that you really like? I honestly, I mean, the dice tower and then just the standard, you know, roll them out of my hand. I'd rather have them in my hand than in a cup. Uh, there's those little, usually either square or hexagonal trays that you can get. Some of them are collapsible to where, like, you, you can snap the corners together. Yeah. But when you unsnap it, it's totally flat. Uh-huh. Uh, I think Z has... The snap together one. Jeff has this. It's it's heavier wood and it's uh, hexagonal shape and it's got like a uh, pool table covering, like felt on the bottom. 
Yeah, but so then yeah, you can't hear tiny. it. So like a dice tray? Oh, you still hear Yeah, kind of like a dice. Yeah, dice tray. Yeah, so it, you're, you're basically providing a more consistent dice rolling surface, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, that is one thing. Yeah, I cannot. I, I, I do not like playing without a dice tray now. <laughs> yeah. Ha- if I'm rolling, it's, it's in a tray. Well, you know, when you have children or, or pets, okay, dice dice become a hazard. <laughs> Because <laughs> oh, they, yeah. they they're gonna oh, go no, they're going into something's mouth, okay. And if you're yeah. and if you're lucky, it's just going to be the vacuum cleaner. Yeah, we we have that issue with uh, Jeff and Pixie's son Severed. No, he's <laughs> got that. And it's like, what? I ain't, I ain't touching nothing, Dad. You're going after my dice. Get away. I father, I have no idea what you're talking about. So yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 gamers with little kids, yeah, keep the dice away. Remember, if it can fit in the kid's hand. That thing can fit in the kid's mouth. So all, all right. Yeah. You know, okay. All right. Dice boasting. Trav, how many dice do you have? I lost count, but the latest one, the latest set I got was that one I sent you to the pictures of, the black and gold dice. Uh-huh. But estimate. From, uh, estimate. I mean, nearest 100 if you have that many. I'd say at least 100, 150. Okay. How about you? Yeah. How, uh, how, how about you, Jonathan? Uh... I don't think I've got that high. I think uh, I've got three sets for my personal use, three like complete sets, and then uh, just a huge bag of community dice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that all together, prob- well, let's see. Uh, probably around 60, 70. Okay. All right. I have to have at least 500 dice. And I'm not sure I could have 1,000. <laughs> I have, you know, you know that those um, those those big dump. those big plastic containers you get, you know, when you went to the store, they would they would get like one of those um, uh, fireball, you know, mouse sucker things out of it. Was, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've totally filled one of those up, and I have more. So you know, and 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 I'm not, and I don't go out and buy dice. Okay, it's not entirely true. I buy dice for other people. Um, for Christmas, for my wife, I bought her a pair of yellow cheese dice. They look like little. They they look they're, they're pocketed like Swiss cheese. They look like oh, okay. cheese dice. Okay, you know, I have to ink them before Christmas, and I I try to decide whether to give it to her as a gift or just have them like be found inside of her stocking. Not sure. But there, there was a whole, there was a Kickstarter and and stuff like that on Facebook, and I looked at it and I went, all right, you know, and you know, after you know, after I got it, I was like, well, I probably overpaid for these, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you know, but you know, I want I, I want the meteoric dice, but you know, anything over the the size of I don't know something like slightly larger than a pea is like a hundred fifty dollars a die. I mean, it's. And I'm like, what? Yeah, they're very expensive. Real meteoric dice are very expensive. Jeez. You know, when I say P, I actually mean like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of something appropriately sized. Um, a P is in peas and carrots. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that's too small. It's slightly bigger than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. It's, it's, it's smaller. Probably the size of a decent marble. Okay, maybe a marble. Okay, but I'm yeah. just saying, but especially when you start cutting them into the four-siders and things like that, they get smaller. And I'm just saying, yeah. is it so, de- no bigger than that. And they're like, you know, they, they go for like 150 bucks a piece. And I'm like, yeah. you know, and I want something, you know, meaty. I want something, you know, the size of a, uh, of a of a cap that goes on top of your coke or something like that, you know, ah, something okay. something that when I roll it around in my hand, I I don't it doesn't get lost, <laughs> and I have relatively small hands, so you know. Anyways, um, 
the dice that I wanted years ago, and this was back when I was married to wife too, they were on the onebookshelf.com site. So drive through RPG and RPG now. Gold plated sterling silver polyhedral dice set. And I've since looked, I can't find them anywhere. So it's, uh, the moment's gone. But, you know, joking, honey, they're only $100. No. Isn't it kind of silly, the gold plate sterling silver, though? Oh, it was just definitely for just getting them for the lulls, the S and G. I mean, you if you put the if you put the gold plate. the gold in in the lettering and the, everything else was silver, now that would rock to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, even it, it didn't work when they got lowered down to seventy five. Honey, they're only seventy five dollars. No, damn it. <laughs> and <laughs> since I've tried looking for them, look, nope, they're gone. I can't I, find them anywhere. That's what I'd look at my wife. So you're planning on buying me at least a present worth $75, right? Because <laughs> if you're not willing to buy this from me, it's because you got something even more expensive you've already bought, right? Yeah, an entrapment, yes. That's yeah. right. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, yeah, you, yeah. sometimes you have to raise their level of expectation. <laughs> you know, because some of them are like, I'll just make love to you. That would be good enough, won't it? And no one's going to say no. But I mean... Well, yeah. But I mean... <laughs> yeah, nature's, cre- nature's credit card. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, yeah. He said, it's kind of hard to unwrap my present in front of the kids, honey. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, this is a family show. I'm going to try to keep this. Yes, yes. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But anyways. <laughs> um, okay, I have gotten a bunch of uh, gamer t-shirts this year. And I've already, I've handed them out to, to, to people, my group. Okay. Which shows you how much I love them, uh, uh, regardless. <laughs> and yes, I, we went to uh, a local convention and they had somebody there that, because uh, I think that the uh, Outer Worlds, uh, I think that those are the people that uh, used to have all the great gamer t-shirts. And I think they went out of business, they retired. Oh, Outworld, yeah, Outworld, yeah, yeah. yeah. Outworld. I, I remember them. But, but this yeah. is a new new group and they had all these t-shirts, you know, and, and I've got the one where it basically has the guy with like, you know, a backpack the size of a mountain, okay? And he's like, I'm going to take this because I might need it later. <laughs> and that, that is my character. My character, I personally don't think that I have, you know, um, hoarder syndrome, but my, but every game I play, I do. It's always like, I never <laughs> want to give everything up. I've got, I'm playing Fallout 76 and have been for, since it came out. My character never carries less than a thousand pounds on them. It's just, I just, this enormous amount of stuff. It's usually like, I have like a dozen weapons. How many weapons do I really use? Maybe three. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I'm always like, but then this situation will come and then I want it. And then, you know, so anyways, that's definitely hoarder syndrome. Yeah, I know. I, I know. But someday. I don't mm. have it personally. I mean, I look around yeah. and I'm like, I could lose all you stuff and I would not cry. Maybe the artwork, I, I, I would not want to lose the artwork, but, but most of the stuff and, and almost everything I care about as far as gaming is concerned, just like you, I have a PDF of it. So, yeah. you know, as long as I've got a four gig hard drive, four terabyte hard drive, <laughs> you know, to, to put, you know, to copy stuff onto, uh, you know, I can slip that into my pocket and, and, and you know, beat feet out of town. But yeah, t- but the t-shirts, they were, they were a lot of fun because, you know, of course it was like, you know, six, get six, you get a discount. So I'm like, okay, sure, fine. You know, so, but we had all, what had one, uh you know where there's a dinosaur, and uh, you know, and 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 the, you know the the big 
asteroid was coming in. The dinosaurs like, yeah, I think today's session is going to be great. <laughs> and other ones like that, you know, it's, it's just lots and lots of, of, of fun stuff. And I, I we, we gave them out to all of, our, all of our friends, you know, tried to pick the right one for the right person. So, but anyways, that was, that was fun. Uh, we've had a bunch of, uh, well, not, I can't say it I, out of, out of six people, you know, we've had um, a one, uh, uh, nobody's gotten divorced this year, but we had one, somebody who got engaged. Uh, and uh, so we had, we had a big uh, uh, engagement party for them. So, yeah. Okay. But uh, anyways, uh, so uh, as far as gaming stuff is concerned, uh, I really. I, I, I just realized something. We haven't even talked about what our topic tonight is. Well, our topic tonight is basically, <laughs> you know, what we've done the, in the last year, gaming-related, what worked, what didn't, and, you know, what, you know, stuff coming up for Christmas and stuff for next year, hopefully. You know, this is kind of our, you know, into the new... Because I think this this episode thing is going to drop, you know, in the new year, uh, right at the new yeah. year. So I think so. That's what I yeah. did math. Yeah. So yeah, we were uh, talking about that earlier, yeah. So, but we've covered a lot of stuff, and so while I'm, uh, we're, we're chatting about this. Maybe somebody wants to go and uh, take the effort to look over what we've gone over as far as podcast topics for the last year, uh, and uh, and talk about that. But uh, so that's you know that's the I I, I have bought a couple of um, game related products that I I didn't think I was going to. Uh, but I did. I mean, for some, it is because I got involved in a number of Facebook groups that were like retro kind of groups. Like one was apocalyptic gaming, and I found out there was uh, there was this magazine that they were starting to produce. It was called, um, and now I'm not going to remember the name of it. It was like oh, Scientific Barbarian, and it, it was all about these post-apocalyptic games and what kind of stuff could you have in it, robots and mutants and things like that. And, you know, I, I miss having Dragon Magazine. You know, I mean, I had, yeah, I got Dragon Magazine practically every mm-hmm. month, except for one short period of time when it, they didn't seem to be doing anything new. And I, I got tired of it. So, uh, but uh, I have almost all the Dragon Magazines, which uh, I'm interested in selling to somebody who, Really, really wants ah. to give me a good price for it, because uh, again, that's one of those things where I'm like, I really don't want when I move uh, uh, to a new house, I really don't want to have to take that with me. Uh, but anyways, the uh, so I I got involved with that and I and I, I jumped on that Kickstarter. And so, and I'm continuing to jump onto Kickstarter because they have a new Kickstarter every time they come up with a new issue. And so we're up to issue four and the annual. And I'm just saying they, they were fun, but you know these are PDF products. Uh, I mean, you can can get them purchased. I could have gotten them paper, you know, get them printed out. They actually did have that, but they were kind of pricey. So you know the way because it, it, it's the, the the whole problem. Like re- remember when. A uh, computer shopper used to come out, and it was almost the size of a phone book. Vaguely. Oh, you guys don't know about computer shopper for PC computers? Yeah, basically it was like ten percent articles, ninety percent ads, and it, and it cost like it cost like a buck fifty. Okay. <laughs> 
you know, and it's full of ads. That makes sense. yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. But and then, but then, you know, as time went on and people realized that they could just go and order directly from people on the internet, the ads got less and less and less until finally, and the price kept going up and up and up and up until finally it just disappeared or it merged with PC Mag, and then PC Magazine went away. And and uh, anyways, my point is, is that you know, um, they they. Uh, TSR in their, well, not TSR, of course, Wizards, in their wisdom, and then Hasbro, in their wisdom, decided to uh, basically uh, make the articles available uh, on their service. And new stuff came out just for their service. And, you know, you, you had to, like, download it if you wanted to keep a copy of it. And, yeah. and as a result, I just kind of like, ah, I, I, you know, I'll just... Um, I'll just play the game, <laughs> and I think there, and you know, and without it being consolidated and put together into a a nice format that you could go and you know grab with your hot steamy hands and run home and 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 and, and read under the covers, you know, while your significant other was like, "Are you still awake?" <laughs> you know, because I mean, I didn't get into gaming until I was an adult, so therefore, you know. Uh, you know what reading late into the night was something that was usually done uh, you know with the indulgence of, of, of a significant other so, so <laughs> yeah but uh, anyways uh, I'm just saying is that there there's there it, there actually isn't a dearth of magazines but for somehow I just you know I don't see them at, when I go down to the comic stores they don't have them on the shelves there you know and and, and I mean, let's like I said, there's Scientific Barbarian. Okay, there's um, oh, oh uh, is there a Pathfinder magazine? Not that I'm sure of. Okay, I'm sure there is, but it's probably yeah. a completely I, digital. I know there's a Goblin. I know there's like a Goblin magazine, which is kind of like a a D and D related one. Uh, I know that uh, there's the um, uh, and, I, and now I'm confused because the whole TSR thing back and forth. Uh, Ernie uh, Gygax, he was involved in producing some kind of a magazine, uh, and that was that was available. Uh, but again, it was one of those things where you could get you could get to download as a PDF, or you could spend a lot of money and get the uh, POD version. You know, so. Uh, it's. I think that's really hurt the industry because you go a you don't get any cross pollination when you're literally getting a POD or an online magazine because they're not going to put anything in it, you know, to accept the stuff that relates directly to whatever their interest is. Well, yeah, yeah, and um, you know, and I everybody mean, everybody puts stuff just on their sites now of like. Well, if you want to read something about, let's say, Goodman Games, you just go to goodmangames.com and, okay, this is all the stuff we have for all the stuff we're doing lately. Same with Wizards, same with Paizo, same with Palladium. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You just go print prints out because you just go to their right. site and read what you need to know about what's going on. Right. So there isn't any general magazines anymore that basically say, you know, they're, they're, this is something they're doing over in this game system and it's kind of interesting and maybe you might want to think about pollinating your game system with it or, you know, uh, or at least the idea of it. You know, uh, I mean... It, it, it doesn't seem like there's that, you know, now maybe I've gotten out of touch, okay, because, you know, I, uh, there was the, the um, oh, uh, the Ernie's, I, I believe it was. Uh, there's a, 
there was an online um, uh, gaming site that was that that was a, had a lot of stuff and it had like a a lot of threading having to do with like maximizing your characters and all kinds of things. I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, but uh, but anyways, I thought it was I thought it was Australian actually, but um, I mean it was like the big site, okay and. Uh, and they, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen anything from them. I mean, that, nothing comes across my Facebook feed. I never get any emails about stuff. I'm just saying is that, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways, I think that the gaming community is, is kind of um, siloed themselves, you know, and really dropped the ball about get, letting people know about things. As a matter of fact, there, there's a group on Facebook I just joined called Play Any Other Game But. <laughs> <laughs> but the obvious, right? Right. And it, yeah. and and unfortunately, it's mostly people saying, "Hey, I'd really like to play this game. Does anybody know how to do it?" You know, uh, rather than you know people saying, "Hey, uh, you know, I love this game and I play it." You know, there's another group was called you know uh, in, uh, players in search of uh, or looking looking to find LTF uh, and. People get on there and, and they say, yeah, I, I run this game and I'm looking for players or we got four guys and we'd like to a GM. To, and you know, at least it's, it's some way of getting the, the word out that people want to play. Uh, yeah. And but so many of them say, but I'm not interested in playing online. OK, I want people who live in my community. And I'm like, well, why don't you, you know. Why don't you go down to Kroger's or or Publix or whatever your local flavor is with Dixie and and put up a big thing up on the bulletin board saying, hey, you know, I or, or if you have one, a, a a local gaming store or a comic book shop or things like that, and advertise for one because that's how we used to do it. You know, that's how in the yeah. beginning it was. You know, you you went down and and, and you, every gaming store, every comic book shop had a bulletin board that was just covered over with index cards and and scrappy pieces of paper that said, "Running a game, you know, call this number, you know, see if there's an opening, you know." And uh, but you know, I you know, I I don't I don't know. You know, it's because uh, I've I've had a lot of trouble finding. You know, I know you do a lot better than I do, Trav. But I've always had trouble finding, you know, more players. Uh, and uh, usually, you know, and what I haven't done, which is how I really, it was, it used to be like, you know, uh, gaming groups or uh, uh, science fiction groups at the local university. And I used to go uh, down and hang around with them and say, hey, I run this game. Would you like to play it? And, you know, usually I'd get some bites that way. And, and I would start off with D&D &D usually, uh, except I really don't like 5e. <laughs> Uh, as, you know, with D and D, and get a group of people, and then after a while, say, "Hey, you know, we've enjoyed playing this. How'd you like to try this game? I think it's even better." And they're all like, "Well, Bruce, you know, you're if you want to run that, we'll we'll play it." And then, you know, and then we I move them into Fringeworthy and Bureau Thirteen and other yep. types of things like that. You know, so now of course I think that what you know, mm -hmm. if if I was to do that, the thing I would want to push toward would be. Um, uh, would be uh, Fallout, the uh, 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 the player uh, paper and pencil edition, because uh, I have a feeling that there's a you know I've never been that much uh, as I've mentioned before when we've talked about this, I'm not that much into the lore of Fallout, 
you know, uh, all the little niddling bits and, and things. But I like the idea of the, of the general landscape with the rad scorpions yeah. and the ghouls and, and, uh, and stuff like that. So I would like to run, a, uh, uh, you know, at least some, you know, some adventures taking place in, you know, in, in the, the vast, you know, central section of the country, which doesn't seem to have a whole lot of, of stuff happening there yet, you know. Now that may change in the next yeah, edition yeah. of a uh, uh, Fallout that comes out, but um, in you know. four more years. Yeah, well, that's that's also what I I don't pay attention to things like that because as far as I'm concerned, uh, the best Fallout I played was the one that was the New California Republic, which takes place before Fallout New Vegas, and basically it's about the 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 not the rise to power that already happens, but how they start moving out. And, um, and and taking over uh, territory, moving further and further east from California. And it was, it was a nice prequel uh, to the uh, uh, to the Fault New Vegas game uh, uh, from Obsidian. I didn't like how they tied the two pieces together because you know, they basically screwed you screwed over the character. It says in order to make this your character become the main character for the you know for the Fallout New Vegas, we have to basically ruin your life was the was the way they decided to go. Oh. And I'm like, you know, it would have been fine if you hadn't done that. You know, but anyways, it's uh you know, that's the one thing about tabletop play, you can just basically ignore what people do, you know, in in video games and say I'm going we're going to do it this way. I like this better. So, yeah. you know, and uh, because I have continued to run at conventions that scenario we ran and we did as a li- oh, yeah. as a live action and people just love it to death. And it's a very in- simple introductory scenario, you know, oh, yeah. uh, and and a matter of fact in the last adventure, we actually we actually did a part of it we never did before. Because they basically skip past the whole first section where they fight, uh, uh, you know, mutated uh, prairie dogs. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and I, we actually just spent most of it dealing with the uh, the whole uh, atomic cafe and the robots and and what nobody knew about was there was this giant uh, 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 assaultron out in the middle of the ju- uh, the junkyard. That if they went down there, they could you know you could start firing at them and kill them and stuff like that. And they actually went in there and found it and had fought it and beat it, which was pretty darn amazing. So, uh, but anyways, that was something that never happened in like five different game playtesting, not really playtesting, uh, game sessions at conventions. You know, we'd never done that before, and I, that that was very exciting for me. To do to finally get to that part of the adventure that I had written and never and and had maps and all kinds of stuff for, but never actually been able to do. So, uh, bringing it back to you guys, since I'm doing all the talking here, uh, is there anything that you wanted to do this year in gaming that you didn't get to do? Hmm. Wanted to do. I'd say I know one thing I didn't get a chance to do, but I wanted to was I wanted to get up a, a fringeworthy campaign, but just never quite had the time or the the player interest. I had a hard enough time getting interest in. Hey, I would have played it. Of year thirteen, yeah. So you know, yeah, at least one uh, player. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Me, there was a campaign I wanted to run, and how can I put this? It was a less kidified version of the Hasbro Heroes universe, GI Joe, Transformers, Micronauts, all that stuff that I 
and I called it sol- you know, Soldiers and Living Max. And just I, I let my players vote for the next campaign now. Okay, these are the things that I've got planned. If anybody else wants to do anything, and I tallied up, okay, first, second, and third choices. And I just, I wanted to run it, and other ideas came to the fore that they like that I'm running now. I mean, I still got the stuff set to run it. It's just not this year they wanted to do it. So I, I kind of, because while I was off, I kind of bought all the, oh, these are all the trade anthologies of, you know, G.I. Joe meeting with Optimus Prime and how the world changed and all this and the handbook. So I had source material. And then I was just going to, you know, kidify it less and not make it quite so comic booky and just other can, ideas appealed and okay can cobra soldiers die yeah yeah <laughs> or are they always ejecting out of their jets <laughs> well yeah that's the whole thing what's the when you say you 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 know you're old when when somebody says and knowing is half the battle and then you think the other half is 25 percent blue lasers and 25 percent red lasers yeah um <laughs> Yeah, that was the only thing I didn't really get to do that I really kind of had my mind set on. That just I had a, an itching to run that campaign. But I, I give my players voting opportunity. Also, lay everything out. Like Jeff will want to run a campaign. And I think Perky Goth wanted to run a campaign. And it just, yeah, usually I'll have like three or four options. And then another player might throw in it. And just that one didn't. What's that thing? They threw it against. I threw it against the wall. It didn't stick for now. I think also it was Back a in the Thursday. Pod, it took a little bit longer. Right. Yeah. Well, it, 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 the campaign's ready to go. It's just it was the group. The Thursday night. There were some people because you. Oh, you're all in the military, and they. I don't want to play in the military. Um, if I want to be this, I want to be a civilian consultant and this and that. I'm like, jeez. Oh, so yeah. I think it's just the wrong group I pitched it to. But other than that, yeah, that's the only thing that I wanted to do with gaming this year. And didn't get a chance to. Uh, Bruce, you did mention something about a Kickstarter you've been involved with. Mentioned that earlier. Um, There was a Kickstarter I got involved with March, February. Uh, There is a third party group that does Pathfinder 1E stuff. It's from a, it's from Drop Dead Studios. And it's called the Spheres of Power and the Spheres of Might. Now, what it is, is your character, either by taking an arc, and this is all for Pathfinder 1E. They're now doing it for 5E and Pathfinder 2E. Uh, Spheres of Power are new ways to do magic or side spheres and might is new combat maneuvers and i mean it's not just combat it's like oh you can make you know healing potions and poisons and do moves like wrestlers and you know even get power armor and make your own you know ais and just it's all this stuff hmm. and and it, it it uh heck i could send you the yeah just JFGI, Spheres of Power. And so they had a third one called um, Spheres of Guile with its companion piece, Ultimate Engineering. Because after Spheres of Guile and Ultimate Engineering are done, they're going to stop putting out product for Pathfinder 1E and go all to 2E, uh, PF2E and uh, D&D 5E. Now, the Spheres of Guile is, okay, we have the magic-based system. We have a combat system. Spheres of Guile is all about the character interaction where you can end up getting extra ranks because let's say you buy this talent and if you have the sphere right off the bat you get five you get five free ranks in whatever skill let's say i take the alchemy sphere well that means i get up to five free ranks in craft chemical or alchemy depending on how you want to use it now obviously 
barring some feet or something, you can only go up to your level. So if you're third level, yeah, you get those three ranks out of the five, three, and then you gain that free rank as you level. The more talents you get, the more ranks you can get. You could get a sphere and three talents and have your 20 ranks in one skill right there. Boom. Spheres of Guile is, okay, this is all the character and action stuff. You're getting your bluff. You're getting your sense motive. You're getting your diplomacy. You're getting your intimidate. Um, and it's all various. It's all the stuff for character interaction. It's actually for role playing. And oh, okay. It's it, it, beefing yeah. up the social interaction type stuff. Yes, yes. Which okay. it has... Yeah, the only way you get bluff and sense motive and intimidate via the spheres of might system, let's see, bluff and sense motive, the fencing sphere, because you use the bluff skill to do fainting, F-E-I-N-T, and sense motive to be able to read your opponent while he's trying to do that. Intimidate, I believe, is from the gladiator sphere, where it's basically Drop Dead Studios' version of performance combat that's in ultimate combat. So Spheres of Guile is expanding on it more, where you don't have to be a combatant at all. You're like, oh, Jaskier from The Witcher. Now, Ultimate Engineering, they're redoing the tech and pilot spheres that were in Spheres of Might. It's all, okay, no, we are totally redoing where you can do tech of anything. It could be steampunk. It could be modern day. It could be future. Because the way that they have the spheres now is, yeah, you can sit there and get take the tech sphere and take the comm set talent, which means you basically have a walkie-talkie, or if you do the headset thing, you can do that. Um, problem is, you're playing in games and using these spheres, and it's like, Okay, I have a smartphone which takes care of about six or seven of the various functions in the tech sphere. Yeah. And I don't want to have to build it up. I just want to make the wealth roll. So they're trying to alleviate that so you can use it in future games where this tech is quite prevalent as opposed to like, oh, you know, I'm in the pulp era and I made this cool, weird science device and it fits more that or yeah so that's the kickstarter i've gotten involved with uh i was supposed to get it in april they're now because of play testing now they're saying hopefully well like this month but i am getting updates on it still so it's not like they've totally just hey yeah, we take your money no um and the drop dead studios stuff along with a uh, lost spheres publishing they kind of interact with their stuff and so a lot of there's a lot of gel there with those two because they're playing off each other and of course they're playing off uh, okay, yeah. with pathfinder uh dreams guard press with ultimate psionics legendary games and the arc forge system which oh no they totally redid tech you can now do mech power armor make companion vehicles instead of you know how Cavaliers, oh, you get a mount at, you know, third level or whatever. But what if you're like a modern-day Cavalier and horses aren't really a thing? They give you rules. Oh, no, you have a motorcycle or you have a hover bike. Its name is Betty. Yes. So you have they all these, these third-party companies are playing off each other because it's still OGL. And this Spheres of Guile and Ultimate Engineering is what I've gotten involved with. I'm just waiting for the finished product. I've seen the playtest version so far. It looks good because I have people in my games. They usually play the mouthpieces. They're not. I mean, they could be in combat, but they would prefer to be more sociable than combative. They throw down. They have to, but right. that's not their main thing. So that's the only thing I've really gotten involved with this year is that Kickstarter. And yeah, it it's. Yeah, it's Kickstarter spheres of guile and ultimate engineering. You can look it up, and I think you can still get involved with it, maybe. Let me 
Yeah, see, the last thing I got from them was October 26th. So they're still going. And they're doing a final call for Spheres of Gout playtest. Fingers crossed, be on time for a release by Christmas. Okay. Got two weeks. Got two weeks, Adam. Get cracking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Spheres of Guile and Ultimate Engineering by Adam Myers. Yeah. So that that's my thing that I've been involved with. Everything else is just I'm running the games that I've been doing. Starting up one campaign, meeting with people beforehand on Skype or Discord, getting the character set. As, as I've said in a previous podcast, I sort of do my session zero I don't want to use up an entire session. Just I'll confer with each player separately when we get the chance. So, yeah, I I do want to add the Spheres of Guile into the whole Spheres, the Drop Dead publishing or Drop Dead Studio stuff and see how it upgrades and meshes with this stuff. Because after this, they're done with uh, 1E content. So they're apparently going to go out with a bang on this. So, okay, let's see. Yeah, other than that, I really didn't have... Any other new things coming into my gaming life? I not. Yeah, I'm looking over my. Okay, I'm trying to see if it, looking anything jogged my memory here. Nope, <laughs> I'm good. Uh, Jonathan, you did get to run Cortex for Bureau Thirteen a little bit. Yeah, not as much as I'd like, but more than I. Well, more than zero. Yeah. I got to test out the basic ideas. Um, it seemed to work well. I think um, it did take a little bit of, of getting, like, adjusting my place. Because I've always run Bureau 13 in the past as a, you know, pseudo-serious, um, you know, sandbox sort of, you know, simulation RPG, sort of speak. You know, like, yeah. you know, very, very, very realistic you know, you go out, you invest, you investigate, you talk to people, and then you go on this grand, you know, quest against some overarching evil, something along yeah. those lines. Um, for this, it was a little bit different because of the way Cortex is developed uh, and, and the sort of method behind it. It's very much made for episodic play. It's very much made for, you know, it's and one of the things that drew me to it is it's made to simulate like running a TV series. Or a movie. It's very cinematic style, not realistic at all. So getting used to not having, you know, a, any one weapon do more damage than another. So it's just Witcher combat skill. That that's how much damage you do. Oh. Okay. And it's not yeah. even so much a damage thing. It's like, can you overcome this challenge? It's it was a very different system than what I was used to before. But that's part of what I wanted to try it. And I had fun, and I and I think my players had fun. It was just, I think I didn't get enough, I didn't, my big concern is that I didn't get enough time to really learn how this, this system was different. So I, but I think I, I did, I think I did enjoy, like, having the, uh, the class, you know, like the team role as one of the traits for these characters and their, abilities and then making sure that every character human or creature had a power a trait uh that definitely seemed to work out well and it again we had fun i had uh i think i mentioned the first i don't know if i ever mentioned on the podcast itself but our first adventure was um basically you know a gauntlet it was oh yeah while you're heading out to your uh, post there's this uh, haunted house that we've been monitoring for like a century now. Um, tech services thinks one of the sensors might be acting up, but 
they are not allowed to go in until an active agent has cleared it. Well, you're passing by, go clear it. And of course, if, you know, the agent will go in and, oh, this is not just a, you know, tech issue. This is actually something bad. And of course, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's a final test from the Bureau to see how they respond under pressure. But yeah, it was actually kind of fun because not having real stats for anything, it was very easy. I think that's one of the things I liked about the cortex system. It's it's kind of makes you improvise as a as a storyteller, and so it can definitely if if you're not comfortable with improvisation, uh, it might not be the system to run. But it, I definitely recommend playing it because it's also made so that there's really no mechanics for you know oh you can only do this on one turn or you can only do this. It's no what you want to try. We'll try it. Well, okay, we'll challenge you. Here, here's what you got to try. Here's what you got to roll. Yeah, roll high because you're trying to do like four different things within a mm-hmm. span of time. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be rough, but you better get all your bonuses ready to go. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember you told me there were uh, complications too, which can kind of bite you in the butt later down the game. Yeah, and we got yeah. some that like um, you know, I had a character who. Uh, the I decided they're they're going into this haunted house. The key's supposed to be under the mat. I decided nope, the key ain't there. So they gotta get in. So instead of picking the lock like I expected, or maybe going around to the other door, or even going through a window, this character, this particular character for this session, he was a engineer. He took the door off the hinges. Okay. And set it aside. And I'm like, that's interesting. Yeah. But in the process of rolling to do this, I say, well, I mean, you can do it. The only challenge is going to be, you know, they, they're probably rusted. It's going to be a little dirty. So, you know, it's not going to be a high difficulty, you know, to, to beat. But I do still need you to roll. And he rolled a complication. And I'm like, hmm, I'm going to keep that for later then. And yeah. I just kept in mind, this is from the door. So then later, when um, stuff got, starts going off. He's decided, okay, I'm going to leave the house now. I'm going to flee the house. The door's back on its hinges. And ah. <laughs> And I know, swear but, to God, I took it off the hinge. I swear <laughs> to God. And so he goes to, 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 to leave, and I say, okay, well, you have to roll this to, to match it. But, oh, yeah, you also have this complication from when you messed with it. So I'm going to add that to your roll. So yeah. now it's harder than it would have been before. Yep. In that case, that, they just, in that case, they just busted the door and put a... a a them-shaped hole in it as they're running away <laughs> screaming like Daffy Duck. Yeah. But, yeah, I had a lot of... I, I did have a lot of fun. And the second session I ran was uh, basically what we did for the Iron, G, uh, Iron GM Bureau 13 episode a few episodes back. Oh. I was trying where, to remember. Because we've done a couple of Iron GMs recently. I'm trying to remember It's yours. the most recent one. It was... I mean, it was probably beginning of October because I I ran it soon after we recorded that episode. It might have dropped towards the end of October, but yeah. But it was yeah. Basically, the 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 scenario I came up with where you know Hephaestus lost his oh, yeah, special yeah. magic paint and he was sending a, a, a automatons to <laughs> Los Angeles to try and get it back. Oh yeah, okay. See, it's not the walk down memory lane for me, Jonathan. It's the five k fun run. But once yeah. you get it going. I remember now, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, we had fun, and if I hadn't gotten sick and then gotten into the the big crush of work, I probably would have continued on. But and then kidney stone also kind of threw me. We for we a, call it attack of life, dude. Yeah, <laughs> life yes. happened, and yeah. so I didn't get to to do. But I did have fun with it, and I 
I've I've got a few ideas for things I want to do. I'm I'm definitely, and this is something we can maybe talk about later when we we talk about plans for the the upcoming year. But I have some ideas. Okay, yeah, because you have well, you've you've worked out some kinks with the system. You it's mm. the old patent thing. No plan survives first contact with the enemy. And again, we here at this podcast are not trying to endorse adversarial relationships between GM and players. It's just. You could sit there and 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 Jonathan told us, you know, back on that episode what all he did. And I'm like, no, that sounds about as airtight as you can get. You seem to have covered all the bases as far as both rules and lore. And you still like the guy taking the hinges off the door. It's like, didn't see that coming, but I'll love it. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things I did like is that Cortex is very much a improv improvisational game. It's yeah, it definitely seems to be. But which, again, I say is. If you're not up for improv, either thinking on your feet or acting on your feet, this may not be the the, the system, at least not to start with. At least yeah. not as a GM. I think I think this could be a very great system for players to start in, because there's really nothing. There's no mechanics that say you cannot do this for the most part. It's it's basically of, you know, if so you want to try something, be- the GM just has to come up with the 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 opposition role against you. So what you're saying is Cortex Prime, in your opinion, based on your experience, mm. would be good for a higher-level GM to use with newer players. Oh, I, you want to get I into role-playing? So. We'll use yeah. this system. And okay. I don't think they have to be necessarily a higher-level GM, just a GM comfortable with, with improv, yeah. improv. Yeah, whether it be, yeah. again, the acting or the the coming up with you know, mechanics on the fly, so to speak, like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm already seeing, I looked at him like I, when I, you know, when we did the previous episode about you previewing all this <laughs> and I'm looking at the rules, I'm going, yeah, this is too much improvisation. My players keep me on my toes enough as it is. And I use OGL. <laughs> okay. And, and yeah, was- but no, I mean, it looked like a great system. If you're into light rules, cinematic style, and it looked even lighter rules than um, Savage World, which oh, yeah. me is the cinematic system. If you want to do the wahoo, gung-ho, swinging from the sandalier stuff, yeah, then Savage Worlds, in my experience, has been... And I've, and I've bought a decent amount of stuff for Savage Worlds. It's just teaching all my players a new game mechanic. Yeah. They're all so used to the D20, and they barely slough through Palladium's system. So it, it's what my players know. Yeah, I but, think a yeah, big Savage, thing... With, Cortex, with Cortex, that would be, yeah. yeah. I think you can get all the, the player-specific rules down to one page. Easily. Oh, okay. Easily. As far as what the players need to know, you can get it down to one page. Because assuming that, you know, I hear that. Yes. As, assuming that the, 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 the storyteller or game master is creating all the characters for them and, and creating the, the setting-specific traits and everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, and again, this is why I, I'm thinking of doing this for for convention games is, you know, the GM just has to set some, some character sheets down and then set down these one page of rules and the players will have enough to get started. Yeah. So have you guys done any like one shots at local conventions or 
just you know somebody brings some you know some distant relative brings the kids over have you taken advantage of the holidays to do any one shot introductions to some of these kids who might know not know anything except video gaming uh this year we got well because ramses had been role-playing uh fur's now 11 year old son this year we decided to add for the previous saturday day day campaign which is the robotech nightbane crossover campaign i've mentioned the nine-year-old alexis now again unicorns princesses that this is the nine-year-old girl thing so i found every trope i could and we made athena the pretty pretty princess and just alexis ate it up i explained okay the, she, I said, okay, what what are things? And of course, she's influenced by stuff like Frozen and Sailor Moon and just all the princess stuff, all the unicorn stuff. All. So I pulled, as I said, every trope PDFs that had this stuff. I researched this for about a month and even Furs looking at me going, you're really, and I said, no, I'm going to make your kid the penultimate princess character for her to play. And she ate it up. I would, I'd actually sit there and talk with her. Okay, you gained a level. What new spell do you want? What do you want to do? Well, I want to do this. Okay. And I would work the feats. Okay, you can now cast this spell. And this, she had, you know, was it blonde hair, blue eyes, cafe lace skin, the little pink pinafore dress, and her star wand, which I made it. You use the star wand. You don't have to speak or gesture. You just point and that, Okay. And she ate it up. And it was probably, she. well, she was eight at the time, so probably the youngest player I've ever had at my table. And she went to town with it. She was sitting there throwing polar ray spells at Zentradi and just dropping them. And I'm like, okay, you did this. And, of course, all my characters are in mech. Seeing this little, you know, perpetually eight-year-old girl with a plastic-looking wand take down a Zentradi foot soldier, and they're like, okay, we need to be here. Why? You know? <laughs> And then we need to because we need to protect that little girl. Yeah, right. Never mind. She just dropped a forty foot tall alien soldier. But that's why. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah, She she could be she could be a glass cannon. You know. Yeah. What what's the thing? We're not protecting her from you. I'm protecting you from her. And we had this whole campaign where I had and uh, as I said, all the tropes. Your realm is the Valley of Happiness, but the Dark Queen has taken over. And she shunted you to a pain, a land of pain, suffering, and death. Reconstruction era Macross, where there's still large swaths of the planet covered in radioactive wasteland. So here she was dealing with the military crew, and oh, now she's like our unofficial mascot. And yeah, it was just, that was probably my experience because I, I can't say dumbed down, but I really had to just bring me gaming for 35 plus years down to a level that a nine-year-old girl can understand and not come off as sounding like just totally above her head. And Fur was even impressed with it. And she was, Alexis was kind of bummed when I said, okay, you're all at, you guys fought these threats and you guys are all epic level. Basically your character is now retired. You got your Valley of Happiness back. You are now the queen. We defeated the Dark Queen. I mean, we're having... I mean, I threw everything. We're talking Veritech fighters and all this fighting against dragons and this dream realm. And just, yeah, we I went everywhere with it. And she ate it up. Now, I'm running a pulp campaign now, so the kids aren't involved because just, there were a lot of things in 1924 I don't want kids exposed to. It's just, yeah, there are things said and done. 
yeah, this is a lot darker campaign. And just, no, but GMing an eight-year-old girl with a character totally suited for her and keeping her... The only time she really missed the game was when she was at another family member's, like her father's or whatever. Other than that, she was invested in the game. There were times even on non-gaming Saturdays. Is this a game where I get to play Athena? No, kid, that's next weekend. Remember, it's every other week. So how many days is until then? It would be eight, Alexis. <laughs> You're going to have to count down. <laughs> and she'd be getting to her mom, I get to play Athena again. Yes, travel be over tomorrow so we can, yeah. And just, yeah, that was probably the biggest thing I did in gaming was introduce an eight-year-old girl to role-playing games. Oh, she had a blast, yeah. <laughs> and of course, the brother and sister are bannering back and forth. And it's like, I had to, okay, you're ripping on her because she's an eight-year-old girl who's a fairy princess and has magic, or you're ripping on her out of character because she's your sister two years younger than you. And I'm having to look at Ramses and go, oh, no, that was out of game. So keep the out of game stuff out. You know, when you're, when you head upstairs, rip on her then. Yeah. So there was also her trying to distinguish in game and out of game context. Well, you wouldn't know this because, you know, or you would know this because your character does. And then, of course, the whole horse riding thing. Yeah, you have rank. She chickened out on riding a horse last fall. So that's been a running joke with her. Yeah, you have ranks and ride. Okay. And I look at her mother and go, yeah, see, fantasy role play. Burr's looking at me like, you're a jerk. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's trying to keep from laughing. And, of course, I got the nine-year-old glaring at me, you know, looking up at me with that sourpuss face like, bang. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, that was probably the biggest thing I did this year was get Alexis into the game. And it worked. And I said, here's the real challenge. The next game you have, the character will not, you're going to have to play something that you're going to have to learn to play, not something that you were totally, that's the point of role-playing, occasionally doing stuff with characters that you normally wouldn't do, playing against type. That's where the real role-playing comes in. So when we're done with this, well, I may just started this Saturday campaign, so it's probably going to be a couple years. If I get, excuse me, get the kids back into another Saturday game, what she would come up with based on the game that I'm playing, the game that I'd be running after this. Well, I already have an idea. I don't know if she'd be able to fit in it unless I find another path for her to be in it. And just, yeah, we will see. But all three, all three of us being parents, we know what it's like getting a young child into the hobby. All of us have done this with our kids. So, I mean, and it's glorious. Yeah. When it actually works, when you actually pry yeah, them away yeah. from their video games yeah. and, and, and into the theater of the mind. Oh, oh no. When, when Eric sat in on my maze, my first Maze World game, I think it was 2014, he, he told me, Trav, there are two people I want a game with now at, here at Gen Con, my dad and you. And of course, I'm there like, I'm so happy. Thank you, Eric. You know, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so <laughs> sweet. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so, yeah, we, we, we parents who are gamers and we get our kids into it. Oh, no. Shelly would play usually female elven archers, like along the lines of Arwen from Lord of the Rings. And she's just, you know, and my friends will help get the stats right. And she's just turning targets into pin cushions with you, just cranking out like, how do you get nine attacks per round? Well, it's this feat and this feat that Eric the Enabler gave me. And I'm, and I'm looking at him like, I'll end you. <laughs> just... But yeah, it's that thing of when you get a young kid into the hobby and just seeing, because it helps a lot. They have that that fresh childlike imagination where to them, literally, the sky is the limit. And just trying to accommodate their wish 
and then those rare times when they get it and you just see them light up and oh no when i first told alexis the first time somebody mind controlled her i'd call her over and motion her over and i whisper in her ear yeah you've been mind controlled by this being now you're gonna start wanting to attack people because that's what he's gonna tell you in your head i see this little eight-year-old girl's face just light up and that weird <laughs> that weird glazed over look and fur caught that look Honey, what did you just tell my daughter? Nothing. You'll find out in a bit, dear. And Alexis played it perfectly. Basically, in the back of Ramsey's character's uh, car mech, Jeff DeRep's Death Eater and Alexis's princess character are having a spell fight in the backseat of this car mech. And they're hitting each other. Polar rays and magic missiles back and forth. And I said, Ramsey, may I take over your character for a minute? He goes, yeah, sure. Gordon turns around and says, I'll pull this car mech over right now. Yeah. And she just played it to the hill. When I explained to her what it was, the, the 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 look of glee on this child's face even scared me a little. And as I said, I've been doing this now for close to four decades. And just seeing her like, yes, oh yes, y'all are getting it now. Like, <laughs> oh, it's that phrase, oh dear God, what have I wrought? You know. So yeah, that was that was the big thing for me. Just dragging another one in and into the hobby, and just she fish to water didn't have it as easy. So yeah, she. I'm hoping down the line I can get her in another campaign with a character that she'll grow and expand with. It won't be something so trope-like for, you know, a elementary school grade girl. You know. Because I said, it's like she wanted to play it. Okay, let's do this. And for her had that look and so, oh, God, he's going to go down more rabbit holes. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.